Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Well, I need a snowmobile. Just, it just makes sense. Anybody else? <laughs> Rich, I'm not giving them out. <laughs> oh, that's great. Welcome, everybody. It's so good to see all your happy overcoming faces today. Last, last week we addressed, uh, so I want to talk about prayer a little bit more. It's interesting to me when you read through the Gospels, and great little, great little message from little Chucky, I was going to say. That was a big message from big Chucky. That was good. That was awesome. Um, that's great. <laughs> it's interesting to me how that throughout the Scriptures, Jesus would connect prayer with joy. That's interesting to me. Not, not like it's a burden, it's connected with joy. And um, Chucky preached her message from John 18. I'm going to preach from John 17. Did we get that script? Yeah. Okay, I, ch- I was going to talk about spiritual breathing. I- I've changed my mind. But it's a nice screen. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, the idea behind that was, was um, I was, as I was just kind of going through the thing about prayer this week, I was thinking... Um, I was thinking like that it that when breathing is two ways right so if you're always if you're just taking in breath you'll pass out if you don't breathe it out again am I right I'm just talking about and 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 when pastor Phil says that you know prayer is like that and it's like and it's like our life it's like the life of the church it's like our life. It's like the life in our homes. It's like the life in our families, within our businesses. And, you know, like, especially towards the end of the Lord's Prayer, there where it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. So one is, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. It's not just forgive us. In fact, the Lord's Prayer as a template, and one version says... Um, uh, pray in this manner. It doesn't mean the, the repetition, because he just warns us about repetition, two verses before that in Matthew 6, um, you know, 8 or 9 or something. But you'll notice one of the profound things about the Lord's Prayer, and here's what I'm not sure if North America has a revelation of, is the corporateness of the body of Christ. Because he uses each, all of the pronouns are plural. Our. So when I come before him as our father, which is a profound revelation, but it's not my father only. I need to think about our, our your father. And, and he says, and, and actually, and then he says, deliver us. And forgive us and lead us 
It's all, it's all plural. It's corporate. You can't, like, like there's sort of a curse of independence um, in, in, in many of our worlds that we forget how critically important it is for us to function together. I know it's harder, but sure better. And when we miss that, we miss some of the power of prayer. And I, so I want to touch on it a little bit, but I mostly, um, mostly want to just remind us that in our times of prayer, you know, when we're praying for people or we're, and, you know, and it is the things that are on our heart are on so many others' hearts as well that we can't be independent in this day. This, this will create, um, not only is loneliness the biggest curse and, and one is the loneliest number that you'll ever hear, but, but I think that what we're coming to in these days is that we're meant to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, corporate. And so I just want us to tune our ears and our hearts to the things like, like the things about others, how important others is in our times of prayer. So, and being aware of that while we pray. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 17, if you would, please. And um, I was really, I've been just so blessed by this, um, this whole chapter and um, I think, um, do I have another verse up there first? I think it's Romans chapter 8. I want to first of all read this. It says, um, yeah, who's to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who, is, who indeed is interceding for us. There's, there's a prayer meeting taking place right now. Jesus is praying. Now think about that. And he's praying for us. Think about it. Do you ever wonder, like, how he's praying? Like, like, what would he be praying for for you? What would be the big deal that is on his heart for you? Why is that important? Because agreement is the most powerful force on earth. I want to be agreeing with what my intercessor is praying because I might be praying something that's against what he's praying. We're told in Hebrews chapter 4, and I think verse 14, that as our high priest, he is interceding for us as well. We're told two or three times in Scripture how that, that he is praying for me. Now, how good is that? I love it when people pray out loud, because I can tell a lot about them. Um, um, <laughs> um, careful. Come on, my soul. <laughs> um, but, but John chapter 17 gives us a clue in how Jesus is praying for us. So, so the, the boys have, like chapter 15 and chapter 16 are leading up to this. And um, verse 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. He says that somewhere in this interaction, joy is an outcome. I love that. And he, he goes on a little further in um, chapter 16, verse 25. That I've said these things to you in figures 
the hour is coming when I'll no longer speak to you in, in figures or speech. But I'll speak, tell you plainly about the Father. And in that day, you'll ask in my name. Uh, I, and, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you've loved me, believed that I've come from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Now I'm leaving the world I'm going to the Father. And um, in verse uh, 33, Jesus answered a question. Okay, say, oh, okay, now you're finally speaking plainly. Thank you. Not using figures of speech. But, but uh, so do you believe? Behold, the hour is coming. So two times there he says, and the hour is coming. And then he begins chapter 17 by saying, Father, the hour has come. See that? So now a time is coming. Here it is. But before he says that, he says in the last verse of chapter 32, Behold, an hour is coming. Um, in verse 33, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation. But take heart because I've overcome the world. He's just about to show us how to overcome in prayer. This is an overcoming prayer. Some would call this like the holy of holies of prayer in the New Testament. This would be better described as the Lord's Prayer than in Matthew chapter 6. That was more the disciples. He was showing them a template how to pray. Uh, but this is now him praying. And I'm not sure what the boys are doing. M most scholars would say this is in the upper room. So we're not really sure uh, what else is going on. Only, only stuff is going on. And then all of a sudden Jesus like pulls away from the table, or I don't know, we don't know, Bible doesn't say, and then he just, he begins to, I, looking up, he says, it's time. Hours come. And imagine the boys are like going, what's going on? Because he said the time is coming, well, and now it is. And, it, and, and, I, and I love, it. and Jesus, when he had spoke all these things, he lifted his eyes to heaven. What a profound thing. Uh, Looking up is used about four times in the New Testament. And it doesn't mean that you're just looking up. It means that you're getting, you're, you're settling, your posture is now from a place of heaven. So you look, so now, and, it, and it, he could probably say in looking up, he began looking down. You could probably say that. That's implied. Wait, so, so it says of, of uh, when Jesus prayed for Lazarus, right, looking up. When he's about to multiply the loaves and fishes, he's looking up. What was he doing? He was realizing that there was a heavenly perspective that he needed to get before he moved on a little further. It start right? So where does prayer start? It starts with the Father, our Father. What's on your heart, Lord? But now Jesus and the Father were one. And he begins to go into one of the most amazing prayers. And um, my Bible titles it the High Priestly Prayer. Um, I, I just find it um, really encouraging when I, as I read through this. And it's very interesting um, he looks up, and, um, and he starts to say, glorify your son, that your son may glorify you, since you've given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given. And this is eternal life. You ever wonder what eternal life is? This is eternal life. He defines it, 70, chapter 17, verse 2. And this is eternal life, verse 3. And this is eternal life that, you, that they may know you, the true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That kind of summarizes this first segment. There's, there's, I broke it up into four segments. How he shared his life, how he shared his word, how he shared his name, and how he shared his glory. 
But mo most of the time, when you, when you read through it, you don't hear him asking for stuff, really, not specifically. There's not, this isn't really petition prayer. It's kind of like he's given a report on his mission on earth. And, and one of these days, you and I are going to be able to give a report. That's exciting. I, I, can, I, can, I can sense the excitement in the room. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished what you have gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Com sounds a bit complicated. The word glory is used five times there. I don't, I've looked this up, and uh, as much as I could, it's still confusing to me. I'm not sure what glory specifically means. The Greek word is doxa, where we get doxology from. And it can mean anything from perspective to power. So it can mean anything from a perspective, of, right? The glory of God is God's perspective, or it might mean the power of God. How he displayed his glory, he displayed his power. And, and, and a whole bunch of things in between. It's a very complicated word. But he uses it a lot here. And um, I kind of like this because um, he has this, this, this um, um, intimate talk with his father. And, and he makes this statement. He says, I want them, it's just beautiful to read. And now, Father, glorify me in your, in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. He, there were, he's talking about the pre-existent glory of God. That's mind-blowing. There was like a perspective and a view and a power and a wisdom and a creativity and a wonder that existed before anything else was. He was pre-existent with the Father. And he said that glory, the pre-existent glory, before the fall, before everything came unraveled, and we all ended up deep in the chili with Adam and Eve and that whole deal. But before that, he said there was a glory. There was a innocence. There was a profoundness. There was like a field of energy. There was like all this excitement about what could be with creation. And, and, and probably in the Lord's Prayer, when it, it doesn't just say our Father, it says who art in heaven. I don't think that means who is specifically distant, but I, mean, I think it means who is the pre-existent one, the one before creation, who has authority over all of creation, and when we stand in him, so do we. That's a big deal. <clears throat> the, the hours come. Okay, so it says it's time. And... Um, and he said this pre-existent glory was some type <clears throat> of a unity that Jesus and the Father had that is sort of mysterious and sort of profound and incredibly holy, sacred, reverent, and mostly beyond our comprehension. The pre-existent glory. And it's like Jesus, I hope you, I hope you see Jesus as being happy. I see, him, I see him talking to his heavenly father with a great big smile on his face. Do, do you know that, that it's, it's not possible for you to repent unless you have a revelation of how good and kind God is? This is a foundation of all of our praying. 
is I need a, I need a revelation. It says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. If you don't have the revelation of his inherent goodness, it'll be hard for you to trust him. And prayer comes either out of one or two places, faith or fear, trusting or unbelief. I think it's probably why Jesus was able to pray for peace in that storm, because he was peaceful. I think the disciples, they were scared. They could have got up and started commanding that storm to be still out of fear. I don't think it would have done a hoot of good. Is that a word, hoot? If I'm over 60, okay, good. <laughs> no, but, but if we don't, we, honestly, I'm just trying to help us understand our perspective of the Father when we come to pray. Because if you see him as a deliverer, then you want to be careful that you just do everything just right. Step in a crack, you break the mother's back. Did I say that right? How did? <gasps> you may got to be so careful. Because, because if you see him as a deliverer, you'll have a slave mentality. They, they, which Egypt, all the Egyptians did as they were coming out of Egypt because they'd grown up as slaves. We're sons. We're daughters. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm kind of carrying on. But, 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 I, but when, it, when this, this, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. He remembers the preexistent glory. And he carried that with him, I imagine, through his life. I imagine. And so, why is that important? Well, I'm about to tell you, verse, second point, first one was he shares his life. Secondly, I have, verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they kept your word. Now they know that everything that you've given me is from you. For I've given them the words that you gave me, and they received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they believed that I sent you. I'm not praying for the world but those you've given to me. He's, this, is a, this is a good rendering. How, how he manifested, how I manifested your name. So many people had heard of the great I am. But they hadn't seen it manifested yet. Until Jesus began to move around people, he said, by the way, I am the gate. Here's how you're going to know the Father through my life. I'm going to, I'm going to manifest your name, the I am's. I'm going to manifest that. I'm going to manifest your name, Jehovah Rophi. I, wherever I go, I'm going to heal. I've manifested your name. Wherever I go, I'm going to provide Jehovah Jireh. Wherever I go, I'm going to be Jehovah Nisi. I'm always going to be the one that goes before in victory and wave the banner that we won, we won, we won, we won. I manifested your name. How do we know what God's like? Well, from his word, we get a good idea. From creation, Romans says, we can understand what he's like by creation. We can also understand it by his names. And, and by the way, if you were to ever worship him outside of what his revealed name and nature is, that would be taking the Lord's name in vain. You ever wonder why that's like the second commandment? What? It doesn't mean cursing. It means when we, when we use the name in, for vain purposes, for our own vanity. And unless we can get outside of ourselves, both in worship and in prayer, because, because, because when we worship, we have to be 
worshiping consistent with his nature. So I, I like that, one, one of the songs. I forget them, but I like some of them because it lines up so much with the nature of God. We have lost the profound nature of names in our culture because in Scripture they refer to the nature. Remember, Jacob was called the deceiver, so they called him Jacob because the one who schemes, right? <clears throat> and whenever someone was transformed, their nature was changed, their name was changed because name describes nature. Uh, I'm Lauren, named after Lauren Green from Bonanza. And if you're over 60, <laughs> you know what that was, who, the, who that guy was, the great Canadian. Um, the great I am. Jesus broke it down 122 times the word Father is used in the book of John. Psalm 91 verse 14 said, I have set him on high because he has known my name. In other words, what Jesus did, it says, he says, I manifested his name. Jesus incarnated the nature of God on the earth. It's a really big thing, all y'all, whatever generation you're from. <laughs> Names of lost significance. Nothing, we, we, we just, usually they just identify our kids in the grocery store. Billy! But it meant before, the, 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 so to trust God would equally mean we trust his name. Jesus re revealed the Father. He says, I've manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of the world. I love that. In Psalm 92, it says that we sing praises to your name, O Lord. Your beliefs and behavior have to agree with his nature. I love, I love verse 11. And we're still in this uh, passage. We're just about to move into the next passage where, where he, you, we, he gave us or he shared his names with us. So now we understand the nature of God. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. What a prayer. What a prayer. There's just that word. Because you, you and I, that relationship we shared before all of this, the, the majesty and the beauty and the unity that we had, let them know that. Me, January 2023, he said that same, the same unity that we have. You ever wonder what Jesus might be interceding for, for us about? One thing will be unity. Says before you do anything, if you got something off, like that's why when Jesus said, "Our Father," I think because you got something off with somebody, you work on it first thing before you pray, before you like get into it, like deal with that. You know why? Otherwise, it'll come up in your heart, and 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 our heart will begin to condemn us. You know that thing with your son. You know that thing with your brother. You know that thing with the neighbor. You know that thing with the Amazon guy. You know that it just kind of right. You know the way that Starbucks person got your name wrong? L-A-U-R-N-N-N. Who's, who's a, is there a barista over here? Somebody apologize. Bless you. <laughs> so, no, no, no. But whatever it is, I'm not, I'm just, I get names wrong all the time. Apparently, my wife says, I, I need to deal with them. It's, it's, the, it's the hearing, but what? Okay. Um, so he says, share that with him. The next thing he shares, so he shares his life. Shares his name. And then now verse uh, 13 to 19, he shares his word. 
This is, this, is, this is overcoming prayer. When we're able to integrate his word, and, 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 and you hear this lots of times in some of the prayers in Scripture. In fact, this is a great chapter to turn into your own crafted prayer and write it out. Because so, the, the format is pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it's perfect. But I hope you notice that inter- overcoming prayers are connected to his overcoming nature and our overcoming obstacles as we stay connected to his life, his name, and his word. Those are overcoming. That's the overcoming nature of prayers like this. Uh, verse 13, but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak to the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus is praying that you would not be miserable grumpy and ornery. He's praying that you could have profound joy. <laughs> did, did she just nudge you? She did, didn't she? I said, I know, I know. He needs more joy. I was going <laughs> to, Lord, just help Richard right now. I pray with his. <laughs> One of the things that Jesus is praying for us is that we could have joy. If you, uh, out of 10, where are you on the joy spectrum? I mean, lots of people whose eyebrows are furled, they're you know, they're, they're just ready to pop. Jesus wants us to be joyful. <laughs> Got you smiling. But this is, this is what Jesus wants for us. And, he, and I'm praying for that. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world just as I'm not of the world. But I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one and sanctify them by your truth and your word is truth. Um... um Great joy. John chapter 3, verse 29. Uh, John said, I greatly rejoice at the voice of the bridegroom. When Jesus speaks to us, the first thing that happens in your heart is joy. Ah. You're reminded that you're loved. You're reminded that he has a purpose for your life. You're reminded that he's got things looked after. You're reminded that the future is secure. You're reminded that he's got things under control. And you don't have to stress and you don't have to worry. And you just go ahead and oh. Smile. So good. So so he's, uh, John chapter 15 says that we are clean through the word that's spoken to us. When he's referring to the pruning, he says, but you're already clean because my word has done the pruning in your life. Entrance of his word brings light. Shared his word. Uh, Second last, he shares his glory. Um, This is is, um, in, in chapter 22. Or sorry, chapter 17, uh, in verse 22, it says, The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as I loved you. This is just so beautiful. He says, you, once they're unified and in harmony and in agreement with heaven, the world's going to go, wow. That's what he was talking about. The, so so the, when, when you refer to the wisdom, like you can't separate in Scripture. I found out this week that every root word of every Hebrew word is a verb. In other words, in other words, um, you will not understand any truth until you've experienced that truth. So, so the word that we use for word, one of the words is logos, 
and it refers to every word that has ever come before that is in line with every other word that's going to come after that. It's a complete, complete unity and harmony of the wisdom and knowledge and understanding of God. The logos, the word, the logic of God, that it all works together, that not one thing is out of place. So when he's talking about sharing his glory, I mean, so maybe it's a little bit complicated, but, but what happens is that our minds begin to grow when truth enters our heart, but our hearts begin to grow when we experience that in a, in a relational context. Truth is sort of irrelevant if it's not tested in a context of a relationship, which is all the us, we, and, and, and lead us, lead our, our, we, us, it's all of that. Any, any, any truth that you find and it's not tested in the context of some relationship, it's just a nice theory. But it's meant to be integrated into our life. The, the word, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Jesus says, I've finished the work. And then he, he wraps up the chapter with this. <clears throat> Verse 26, I made known to them your name. I'll continue to make it known. He's, gonna, he's still making his name known to us. I'll continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. What a beautiful, this is better than an amen. Right? Which doesn't mean I'm done talking and you hang up. It means so be it, what's been said. So be it. And when we all agree, it's the Soviet Union. You get that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I couldn't resist. Um, so my last point is, the, um, is about the, the word for prayer. The Hebrew word for prayer is palel. Why is that important? Um, as the band comes back up again, surprise. I got you before my time was done. The word, the word palel, it means, it, what it means is it means the, a notch in a tent peg. That's what it means. Our prayer life is meant to keep us connected and our house stabilized when the storms of life blow. We're to be anchored to something, someone. And the way Jesus ends this passage here, he says, I've made known your name. I'm going to continue to do that. He's continuing to make known his name. And that the love with which you've loved me may be in them. The most profound thing that can ever happen in our life is that we could have a revelation and an integration of the love of God within our life. And this is, this is how he sums it up. <clears throat> um, last point, Romans chapter 3, 8 and verse 35. Where we pray from has a powerful impact on all of the outcomes of prayer. So we're told in, in chapter 8 of Romans, and here, here's why this is important, because when, when I've got my tent anchored in prayer, nothing can blow that house down. We're told about building on sand or building on rock. This is that same principle of we're anchored to something, that, and, and that hope is an anchor for our soul. 
So, in the economy of God, there's no great depressions and there's no stock market crashes because our feet are set on something solid that doesn't move. That's outside of the economy of this world. I, he says, in this world, you're gonna have tribulations. I, I will probably do a series on the ever controversial topic of the rapture. Prob I think I will. Just because there's so much chatter about it these days. And I want, I want you to see what the Bible might say about that. But, but in the economy of God, when we stand in a situation that seems, or a consequence, or a problem, when we, when we are able to stand there and anchor ourselves into the name and the nature of God, storms can blow because we're steady. It says in Romans chapter 8, and I love this, because, because we are overcomers and the overcoming nature of the resurrected one lives within us, you can go through stuff and not collapse. Things can happen all around you and you don't fall over. You, maybe you're, yeah, righteous man falls seven times, but he stands up eight. What is it that can separate us from, from his overcoming nature? And he lists off a bunch of stuff. Can, can tribulation do that? Romans chapter eight, verse 35. So what can separate us? Shall tribulation, will distress, will persecution, and it's on the way, will famine? What if there's a shortage of food? What about nakedness? Lord knows, I don't even know what that's all about. But will nakedness, like being without clothes, what about danger? What about the sword? But it's written for your sake, we're being killed all day long. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Can you say more than conquer no can you all say it more than you're not just conquerors more than because <laughs> I'm sure Paul says that not death that's an enemy nor life are you hearing me not angels not rulers or tyrannical governments not things present not things to come not powers, I don't care, he's just lumping them all in there. Not height, not depth, not anything else in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Would somebody say amen? Amen. That's such a big deal. Come on, my soul, get over your pitiful self. You've got the overcoming nature of the resurrected one, I don't know what your problem is, but it's not worse, worse than getting crucified. And he said, it's okay because I understand the glory that we had right in the beginning, that unity and that love and that presence and that magnificence and the majesty. I understand all of that. Therefore, I can go ahead for the joy that's set before me. I can endure the cross. He said, nothing will separate us. When Jesus is in your boat, no storm's gonna take you down. <laughs> Come on, stand up. I want to pray for us. I want to pray an overcoming prayer. Not, a, not just not a wimpy, bless my food, Jesus, amen prayer. I want to pray an overcoming prayer that whatever it is that's been trying to tease you and taunt you and, and steal your joy, that, that that's enough. 
No more harassment by powers or principalities, life, death, the thought of famine or nakedness. That doesn't bother me as much anymore. Well, maybe in a weather like this it might. Come on, my soul. Father, you've done such a miracle with uniting us with Christ. Lord, as long as we know that deep within our heart, there's nothing, nothing can touch me because we are more than conquerors. Lord, there's been, there's been some death. There's been some loss. There's been some stuff. But Father, you're with us. Don't be afraid, for I am with thee. Fear not, I am with thee. Be not afraid, for I am your God. It's enough to know who you are. And you're good, and you're kind, and you're faithful, and you promise never to leave. Lord, today I declare an overcoming spirit within this church. Every man, woman, and child that ever steps in here, Lord, may they rise up to their potential and calling because of what you've called us to do and what you've invited us to become. So, Lord, we're not going to shut up and we're not going to sit down and we're not going to be silent and we're not going to, we're going to stand up. Father, I thank you that within us is this supernatural power and we're going to see miracles and healings and deliverances this year. We're going to, Lord, each one of these mountains, we command them to move in Jesus' name. Each one of the mountains in these people's lives, every Goliath that's tried to raise up itself, it just proves to anoint another David. Father, I pray today, as we stand together, that we're going to see your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Chuck is going to close. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.